Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. Hey friends, welcome to episode 13 of Calm Words for Anxious Hearts, and today's topic is on distraction. And about that topic, I think I'd like to, um, huh, oh, oh, sorry, um, someone just texted me a meme of a cat playing bingo, um, I forgot what we were talking, oh, distraction, paying attention, that is our focus, And so today we're going to ask the question, what does it mean to be present to what's happening in our life and in our world and to look, and I mean really look, for signs that our God is alive and present and active and that we are paying attention to God's movement in this world. And so with that said, why don't we turn to what Paul says about this in his letter to the Ephesians. A reading from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. Be careful, then, how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here ends the reading. I read an article recently about the Titanic and about how it is that the unthinkable happened In other words, why did this great ship, the Titanic, sink? And there have been so many theories about this over the years. Many have said that the tragedy was the result of human arrogance and unquestioned faith in the indestructibility of the newest, largest, fastest, and fanciest ship of all time. Others have said that the ship sank because it hit an iceberg, and that is technically true. It's just not the deepest truth. After all, other ships had been warning the captain about icebergs for many days prior, but he did not slow the ship down. In fact, on the night of its sinking, two ships sent warnings of icebergs, but the radio operator was not paying attention and he never passed those warnings on. And so whenever the crew did spot the iceberg ahead, by then it was much too late. And that gets me to why it is that the Titanic sank. And of course, what sank the Titanic is the same thing that far too often sinks all of our lives. Distraction. No one on the ship was really paying attention. And I think that is Paul's message to the Ephesians. These people he loves, he wants them to pay attention Be careful how you live, he says. Pay attention. 
Some have said that we live in the age of distraction. Technology has reduced our attention span as speed and efficiency take over. We are distracted by our work, our kids, our desires, and by the fears we feel concerning the coronavirus. We have so many questions. What does the future hold? Who's to blame for all of this? How will this impact the economy? Will school be open in the fall? Do I have to cancel my July vacation? There are just so many questions, so many unknowns, and so much to distract us right now. But you know what I find distracts us the most? It's not our questions, and it's not our anxiety, and God knows it's not an overbearing social calendar at the moment. No, what distracts us is our fear of pain. We don't want to feel anything unpleasant, boredom, uncertainty, confusion, conflict, deprivation. We hate pain, and so we'll do just about anything to distract ourselves from feeling its presence. And so whenever Paul says, do not get drunk with wine, I don't think Paul's saying that it's immoral to drink alcohol, but what I do hear Paul articulating is a much deeper and more challenging truth. After all, the whole point of being drunk is to numb the painful feelings we fear. Boredom, uncertainty, confusion, insecurity, loneliness, shame, fear, pain. In other words, what I think Paul is saying to the Ephesians is this. Hey, you know that pain? That pain you're so tempted to drink away, to eat away, to push away with screens? You know that thing that you're trying so hard to numb, to get rid of, to not feel? That thing you want to distract yourself from? As your pastor, he says, I want you to lean into those things. Because ultimately what Paul's trying to articulate is the importance of wisdom. And contrary to what we might think, wisdom is not about accumulating facts. Wisdom and knowledge are not the same thing. You can be at the top of your field, the best brain surgeon, CEO, or rector that's ever lived, and still not have wisdom. The intellect is a fine thing, but it is not the seat of wisdom no, in the Bible, the seat of wisdom is the heart. And as I read scripture, I see only one path by which we grow in wisdom, and that is the path of suffering. In other words, whenever we learn to pay attention to life as it is and not as we want it to be, when we learn to give thanks to God at all times and for everything, as Paul says, even those things in life that are painful, the things we so badly want to distract ourselves from feeling, whenever we take up our cross, as Jesus put it, and let ourselves feel pain at a deeper level, that is when wisdom starts to grow in our life. And so going back to Paul's exhortation, be careful then how you live not as unwise people, but as wise. What I think he's ultimately asking us to pay attention to is the quality of our love 
and the manner in which we are willing to enter into suffering and not distract ourselves from it. And by that, I mean our own suffering and the suffering of other people so that we might be transformed deeper and deeper into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Because when Paul says, understand what the will of the Lord is, he assumes that the Ephesians already know what he's talking about. You see, in the context of Paul's epistles, the will of the Lord has nothing to do with marrying this person over that person, with taking this job over that job, with making this choice over that choice. No, for Paul, the will of the Lord is not about what we do. It's about who we are, our character, our heart, our capacity to love well, to suffer well, and to find wisdom and meaning and transformation as we pay attention to life and not distract ourselves from it. A wise old Middle Eastern mystic once said this about himself. He said, I was a revolutionary when I was young, and all my prayer to God was, Lord, give me the energy to change the world. As I approached middle age and realized that I had not changed a single soul, I changed my prayer. Lord, give me the grace to change all those who come into contact with me. Now that I'm an old man and my days are numbered, I've begun to see how foolish I've been. I have one remaining prayer. Lord, give me the grace to change myself. And so let me tell you something that if you're honest, you already know to be true. The moments in life that we cherish the most, moments filled with meaning and spirit and connection, moments that have sparked real growth, wisdom, and transformation in our life, they happened when we were paying attention. And the good news is that life really is worth paying attention to, especially right now. You know, everyone keeps saying, we've never experienced anything like this in our lifetime before. Well, if that's true, let's pay attention. Let's not miss the wisdom this moment has to offer, especially if it's rare. Because here's the thing, I don't know if it's going to be next month or next year, but we all know life will return to normal. And by normal, I just mean there will be powerful forces at work to put us back to sleep, asking us to live a distracted life, not pausing to question who we want to be and what we want to value. And so let's just assume that God has something to teach us right now that will actually make us more joyful people if we can only pay attention. My favorite psalm has always been Psalm 139, where the psalmist asks, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I climb to heaven, you're there. If I make the grave my bed, you're there also. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me, Darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. In other words, the psalmist's point is that all of life, the good and the bad, the fun and the boring, the pleasant and the unpleasant, 
that all of life is filled with the presence and glory of God, meaning that the nitty-gritty of your life is the only place where God can be found.